Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. I'm Kurt Schilling, and he's Bill Graff. What's up, Bill? How are you, Kurt? Doing well? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not Corbin Carroll good, but I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, not and, many of yeah. us are. <laughs> no, no. And, and that's actually where we're going to start the show today. Um, Arizona gives Corbin Carroll, 22-year-old Corbin Carroll, he of all 115 Major League Plate appearances, a eight-year $111 million deal. Uh, all guaranteed. Uh, club has, I think, a ninth-year option for uh, for $23 million or something like that. But, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, Bill, we were talking earlier – this is this is the fusion, or this is where old school baseball and sabermetrics uh, meet, uh, and I think they they butt heads um, because in my mind, this is sabermetrician saying, okay, all of his uh, other numbers, all of his underlying numbers from college and the minor leagues, tell us that he's going to be this hundred million dollar player, so we're going to save some money and sign him. Whereas the old school guys would be like, hey, you know what? Give me a year or two uh, of production and then we'll we'll take care of you. Um, I, I just think that there's a, I, I mean, obviously as a player, who wouldn't love it? But uh, as a team, no chance. No chance given uh, the physical nature of the game, given the challenge of the schedule um, and the human factor. I mean, how is he going to handle a slump in the big leagues? How's he going to handle the 14-day West Coast, uh, East Coast road trips? I mean, th there's just so many things. I believe he's – I mean, this is one of those guys that that almost – I feel like Chipper Jones or Alex Rodriguez, when you see him, you know, he's a can't miss. And I believe – I believe he is, but I don't believe to the tune of $111 million. So, I mean, I, I'm curious, as a fan of a team, is this something that excites you or something that worries you? it worries me a great deal because as you're saying, and it doesn't matter to me what the GM was thinking, but basically he's saying, I know this kid's going to be great. Right. And if all of a sudden he levels off and is a 240 hitter who's stealing a couple right. bases and doesn't have major league power, you're stuck with $111 million over the next eight years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're this is not this is a a, a very I want to I don't want to say very common, but you, you're seeing this over the last five years more than you've ever seen it in the history of the game combined. It just never happened. I mean, you you know, guys like uh, uh, Soto and and uh, you know Machado and all these young guys who got good deals young or, or bigger deals young. I don't uh, I don't know. I, I mean, listen, it's not my money, so as a fan, you shouldn't care. Although. Is it? Is this a guy? And I think it, I think the answer is yes. This is a this is a centerpiece, right? This is a guy that you plan to have in the middle of your lineup, in the middle of your defense. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming he's going to bring some stuff in the clubhouse as well. But this is this is a sign of of modern baseball uh, for all it's worth. For whatever you want to take that for, um, it's it's I'll a different game. The other thing, Kurt, that you said, and, and you've said this in earlier podcasts, but this is the first time these kids are on fields where they're not the best player on the field. Right. They're, everybody else is as good as you. 
Right. Well, and, and this, but this is a contract where the Diamondbacks are saying this kid will continue to be the best player on the field. Right. And, and I guess if you're looking for the five tool guy, this is it. Right. I mean, you're talking right. about uh, a 25 homer, 300 hitting, 400 on base percentage, 50 steel, gold glove caliber, you know. Uh, and if that's the player, which, you know, God bless him if he is. If that's the player, then it's this is it turns out to be a great deal because you you've bought out arbitration, you've bought out uh, a couple years of free agency, and who knows where free agency is going to be at that point? I mean, we're talking what six years from now. If you talk, if you if you just look at natural uh, payroll progression, everyday players are going to be thirty forty million dollar guys in in five or six years. So interesting, I, and I'm I'm happy for him. He seems like a great kid. It's a great story, by the way. Um, and this kid is got the tool set in the toolbox to be that guy, but there's so many unknowns that, that, uh, you got to wonder. So well, speaking hey. of young kids, by the way, yeah. let's talk about the Yanks because, uh, in addition to filling up their injured list, which is unfortunate with pitchers, uh, but Radon, we talked about on the last show, Radon, uh, being shut down, he's going to start the season on the injured list. Um, and I'm not so sure. And, and there's questions around how this entire thing was handled, not necessarily by Aaron Boone, but but by the organization, because apparently Radon was feeling the pain that he felt before the start, um, which begs for me a ton of questions. Um, but that's not the topic. Uh, Anthony Volpe. I would a uh, uh, 21-year-old prospect. So the, the Yankees are looking – uh, for a shortstop um, to open the season. And you've got, uh, I think it's Peraza and uh, Kiner Falefa. How do you say that? Falefa? Falefa? Falefa. Kiner Falefa. Isaiah Kiner Falefa. I love that name, by the way. Uh, who It'll be IKF in the clubhouse or KF. Exactly. Or exactly. And he played uh, him, a bunch Peraza, uh, uh, him and Peraza are both ahead of Volpe on the, on the depth chart, so to speak. Um but Volpe's tearing it up. Uh, as of uh, this podcast time, he's hitting 320, two homers, three stolen bases. Uh, he's a, he's a, and they're messing around with, you saw this, he, he played second base a little bit with yep. Peraza short. So they're going to mess around. He, here's the problem. I can tell you, and I can go back 50 years to, to every spring training with almost every team. Some young kid comes up and has a phenomenal spring. Um, this is a guy I felt like he struggled with advanced pitching last year in the minor leagues. He, he, he wasn't, well, he certainly wasn't this guy. Um, and you're seeing uh, the, 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 the problem with spring training for position players is that generally you're getting pitchers with no scouting reports, uh, trying to make clubs, trying to do their thing and pitch. And, and, and that's very different than an in-season game plan versus a hitter. Because very quickly, you'll see uh, exploitation of any weaknesses, which those will become more and more apparent. Um, I think it's great when a young guy has a spring like this, because I think when he goes back to double A or triple A, he goes back with a ton of confidence and that you, you start to see the potential player. But I I always, for pitchers, this is for or for hitters exclusively, I, I I find and I always have had problems with a hitter making a club out of spring training because be, the spring training becomes the outlier 
right? He has this monster six weeks in camp uh, after a, a marginal, if not struggling double A season or some triple A at bats. And, and you buy into that six weeks and that six weeks is not, I don't think ever a good preview for what you're going to, because there's going to be slumps and there's, and it, you know, like the Corbin Carroll, this kid is on a field now for the first time uh, in a long time or ever with players as good or better than he is and, and how they react and, and stuff, but the Yankees need a shortstop. And so, you know, wow. if you can and, handle it defensively, what's that? And if they, and Kurt, if they somehow go with Volpe at second and Peraza at short, you've got a 21 year old and a 22 year old up the middle of your defense yeah. that I don't ever remember that. happening. No, no, that would be, I, I think, one of them is going into the season with one of them at shortstop is, is kind of pushing expectations. I think, I mean, the Yankees are world series or bust make no mistake about it. It's every year in the Bronx. And that's one of the beauties I think of being a Yankee or playing for the Yankees, but um, it's a different animal there, man. It is just a different animal. And you've seen players go there just like in Boston or Philadelphia or any of the kind of harsher environments. He'll get cheered and they'll do his name chant in right field for about a week. But when he's hitting 104 with uh, 28 punch outs after a week, those will stop. Um, and I guess the question you have to ask, and the question I think everybody asks themselves is, can we permanently damage this guy by taking him north with us and him struggling and us having to send him back to AAA? Do we lose him? Or is he the kind – and that gets back to, I think, Booney – one of the things that I, I know about Aaron Boone is he understands people. And I think one of the things you have to factor into that move is, can he do that? Can he, can he have a struggle, get sent down and come back and be as good? Cause some of these, some you've seen guys in the past, a, a bad call up a bad month in the big leagues and they're never seen or, or heard from again. And that's not what you want from a kid that this, cause this is a legit top end prospect. So be interesting to see, especially when you consider that the Yankees are going to be leaving spring training as uh, injured as they are. And uh, I, by the way, I don't think that they're the favorites in the AL East anymore. I don't think they can be with, with their physical issues. Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable with Toronto uh, being the, the big dog in that division. I think Tampa Bay will be Tampa Bay, whatever that means. So um, staying in the East, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Uh, apparently Alex Cora has made it clear um, that Chris Sale will not be the opening day starter. I'm going to, I'm get my guess would be they'll go with probably somebody like Kluber. Um, but I, I do like these quotes because uh, these hit a little bit home for me. Um, he was, he was talking about uh, a post game the other day. He was talking about this year and injuries and stuff. And, and, and he says, quote, I owe my teammates the starting pitcher they thought they were going to get. I owe the front office the starting pitcher they paid for. I owe the fans' performance they're paying to come and see. Looking for a silver lining to his injury, while Sale noted, that's three years of pitching that's not on my arm as he enters his age 34 season. That's not going on the odometer. I've kept myself in really good physical shape. My arm's feeling good. I don't have any hesitation going forward with pitching. All of that I, I, rings true, and that that speaks to I think the kind of the competitor he is. And the problem is, and, and and I don't think he's trying to do this, but you can't make up for those three years uh, this year. You can't do it. Just stay healthy and pitch. But but you know those are I get where he's coming from, but it's also one of the you don't want him going out there trying to strike out four guys in an inning. 
Um, even though he is he is that guy. I, I but that he's not gonna pitch opening day is a little odd to me. Um just because that's your that's your stud, that's your ace. That if you it, you know if I say, Bill, your man's in the Red Sox and you guys have now qualified for the one game playing, who's your starting pitcher on that staff? All guys healthy. Chris Sell. Right, right. <laughs> and that's that to me is your opening day guy. So I'm not sure what um what what the reasoning behind Alex's or Alex's reasoning behind that is, but uh I I played with Alex. I know Alex and I'm very comfortable with the with him as a manager. I think he he's a guy that understands his people and my guess would be that there's some front office influence there uh, as well. So, well, uh, and I'll speaking, tell you, Kurt, I, I will tell you their rotation has the same problem that the Yankees rotation has because after Kluber and sale, Nick Pavetta has been banged up this spring. He's finally back and throwing live innings, but behind him is Garrett Whitlock and James Paxson. And neither of them has thrown anything other than BP at this point because right. that they're nicked. Right? Well, and or, here's the, here's the problem with that, Bill. We're 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 midway through March. We're right. we're two weeks from opening day. We're two weeks from opening day. If you haven't made a start on in mid March, uh, and you're throwing nothing but batting practice, you're not ready to take the ball in the opening series and go six or seven innings. And it's not even close. I mean, you're talking about these guys possibly getting into the season or being on the opening day roster with less than 15 innings in spring training. That's, that's absurd to me. I mean, I, you know, we know in the NFL, right. Guys take off all of the preseason and we'll play opening day and, and quarterbacks and, and they'll be fine. I, that, that doesn't work in baseball. I can't work in baseball and it never will. Um, so I'm not sure. Are are they planning to? Because I mean, you you you're looking look at San Diego. They're talking about going to a six man rotation uh, with their pitching, uh, which is a great problem to have. But but I think you're looking at an April full of bullpen arms in Boston, and that you know, like I said, every inning out of your that you don't get from your starters, you put on the bullpen, and there's only so many innings your bullpen can throw for the year. And it gets back to what we were talking about last week or the last show, Bill. You got to leave spring training with 15 pitchers and they're not all on your roster, but you have to have those guys in triple A. These guys, if I'm Boston, you're talking closer to 20 than 15 because if every game's a bullpen game, because sales, not what, I mean, if sales, not pitching opening day, it's, I don't think it's realistic to expect his first start to be 115 pitches in seven innings. Same thing with Kluber. So you're looking at tying a lot of innings on in spring training and, uh, there's a lot of questions in Boston this year uh, after the winter they had and uh, a lot of questions. Um, speaking of spring training, hey, listen, I've never had a problem admitting when I'm wrong. And uh, all of these numbers, uh, the rule changes. Holy cow. Uh, game time in 2022 for spring training was three hours and one minute. It's two hours and 36 minutes now. Runs per game, 10.6 up to 11. Stolen bases per game, 1.6 up to 2.4. Stolen bases per game, 1.1 to 1.9. That's uh, the one we said that we'd look up, Kurt, yeah, yeah. on the last pod. And there it is, almost a full stolen base successful a game. And and that's going to grow. I, I think that's going to grow um, as, the, as more guys get con- comfortable with the rule. Pitch clock violations there last year. No, no. Uh, spring week one, 
Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first week of camp, there were two per game. Now there's one and a half. And apparently in AAA last year, um, that's what happened. They started out and they went down and they leveled off during the season. Um, I still think you're going to have some irate people the first time a game is decided on that because that will happen. That will absolutely happen. Um, we do have active baseball, meaningful baseball. Uh, and <laughs> Japan is is looking good. Um, they're 4-0 in group play. They're into the quarterfinals. I got to tell you, man, um, Yakamoto, uh, Yoshinobu Yakamoto and uh, Roki Sasaka. That's the night. The 21 year old kid is Sasaka, right? Yes. Um, he hit uh, 121 times in his uh, last outing. Uh, Yakamoto has eight punch outs in four innings. Um, they have midseason pitching for a, a March tournament. Uh, and that might end up being the thing that 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 gives them the puts them over the hump because Otani's being Otani six for 12, seven walks, a bomb and seven RBIs. Uh, oh, and he has four scoreless innings, too. He's he's in midseason form. Um, and that I think that gives them an enormous advantage. Plus, the Latin countries for this fact, they play winter baseball down there. So they're not coming into spring training, uh, getting ready for the season in a lot of cases these guys are coming in ready uh and they're ahead of everybody and i think you saw you know mexico um beats the u.s uh and i think for that reason mexico's the same way i had i actually played some winter ball down in mexico the season runs closer to spring training and they're they were more ready and i think usa is gonna gonna have issues and i think it's what gonna be exactly what you said bill i think it's gonna be the pitching i think right. that is the big equalizer in this tournament as Japan is showing. And I think you're looking, if you look around, you'll see all that's everything else. Well, and the interesting thing about the U S and DeRosa's dilemma is all of the rules that the major league clubs have put on him using his pitchers at this tournament. Yep. Yep. And, and I, I, you heard me say it earlier. I wouldn't let my guys go. I wouldn't have pitchers go. I don't think there's any upside whatsoever. Adam Wainwright, different story, right? He's 40, 41. He's playing in his last season. But there's no chance I would let anybody that's on my 40-man or prospects. I would have I, I would have contract language forbidding it just because there is no zero upside to send a pitcher to this thing. Other than, I mean, there is none, none whatsoever. Uh, although I think we're going to see... <laughs> I mean, if you look at that, first of all, it's kind of fun. It's like fantasy baseball when you look at the USA lineup um, and and thinking about some of the young pitchers in the WBC having to face that lineup uh, is is kind of entertaining from a mental approach perspective. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 firmly on Team Japan now. Uh, I I think it's going to be very hard to beat that pitching because they can hit too and they're hitting. So absolutely, Kurt. Uh, we we skipped over it in the rundown, but. You and I texted during the weekend, and you said that there's a few stories you want to get out on, on yeah. the podcast. And and number one on the list was an A-Rod story about the All-Star game. I have so, to hear it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things, I you forget a lot, uh, but there are stories that you don't ever forget. And, and uh, this is actually a two-story combined to one. But in uh, 2002, when we were at the All-Star Game in Milwaukee, remember the infamous All-Star Game that ended tied? Um, 
I was miked by Fox and I uh, went to Alex the day before during batting practice. And I said, Hey, listen, if you, uh, if you come up tomorrow with nobody on, I am going to throw you nothing but fastballs. And he kind of gave me a look like what? I was like, yeah, I, I said, uh, if you, if there's nobody on, when you come up, I'm going to throw you nothing but fastballs. And he's like, okay. So sure enough, he comes up in the bottom of the first, uh, in, in, or I think top of the first, anyway, two outs, nobody on. Uh, and I threw, I, th I want to say it was, uh, 97 away, then, uh, 96 in for strike two. And then I think 99 away for, or yeah, not for strike three. And, and I, he just kind of looked at me like, I think the, he took the first pitch thinking, is it real? And then I think it was a little bit too late for him to, to catch up but uh it was one of those things i wanted i said i wanted to see what a, the best fastball hitter in the world could do against the fastball pitcher when he knew what was coming and uh that was fun but but also real quick um during my career i had a lot of uh give and take with alex and and, and a lot more give than take i said some things and uh, quite a few things when i when i was uh, initially a player and then when i went into the booth and and uh towards the end of his career there was a uh, an extensive article about Alex and his, his family, uh, you know, when he came to grips, when he admitted about uh, PEDs and all the things that went with that. And it was at a time when in my life, when I was going through some really troubling things um, on a, uh, on a business side and the article, when I read it, it hit home for me. I just, I, I, I had, I felt like, okay, yeah, you've created all your own problems, but you're still a father and a man. And, and I, I really, went to the side of hoping that he finished his career feeling good about himself and, and all the things go with that. Anyway, fast forward to spring training. We're doing the Yankee pre preseason report and we go to Tampa and uh, I made a point to show up at the players parking lot at like 7 AM. And he came in and I, I caught him walking in and I said, and, and he kind of looked at me and I, I said, Hey, you, you got a minute. And he's like, yeah, I said, listen, you know, I just wanted to let you know that, all of uh for the things that i said when you were playing and he interrupted me he goes which part <laughs> i was like oh okay well played i said i just wanted you to know i'm sorry i i i apologize it was uncalled for it probably didn't make your life any easier but i wanted you to know going into this last season that uh i'm pulling for you i want you to finish with your head up and and walk away from the game on your own terms and uh uh i i think he appreciated it. i don't know um but it was I, I, and again, like I said, I'm, 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 I don't want to be wrong, but I'm not, I don't have a problem admitting when I am. And I felt like when I look back on it, it wasn't fair that I did and said some of the things that I did and said. And so we parted ways and I think we did so amicably. Um, I still think with the right people, he's one of the best booth guys that to, his, he's a savant when it comes to baseball, talking to him about baseball is so enjoyable in the few times that I've done it. But uh, so that's my A-Rod story. Um, Beautiful. That really, yeah, nice. really good stuff. Interesting. All right. Time now to answer some questions from our fans. We're going to start with Chris Manitti, who asks, how is it possible to have the best <laughs> player in baseball in Mike Trout and Otani, and they can't make the playoffs? Um. Well, I think in, in the short answer is it shows you – the the depth and breadth of talent needed 
to win in this sport. It's a 162 game season. It's the worst, most grinding, grueling schedule in professional sports. And you have to have, well, the, the other short answer is they haven't had the pitching. Um, and the Houston Astros are really good and this and that. There's always reasons. Um, I think it's a crime. I think it's a shame because I think those two players need to be broadcast loud and wide, worldwide, because they're special. I, th I still believe Mike Trout's the best hitter anybody alive will ever see. I, hopefully he can can spend the next couple of years healthy and do the things that he's capable of doing. But the bottom line is it, it gets back to they haven't had the pitching, period. And I don't know that they've addressed that or made that any better. I, I think that Seattle has gotten stronger in that division. Houston is Houston. Uh, and I think Texas is is going to present an issue as well. Um, but they haven't had the pitching in there. I, I think, unfortunately, I think that they're, they're due for another fourth place finish. Uh, or maybe, maybe yeah, probably fourth place, I'm guessing, because I, I think Oakland is, is uh, all in on the quote-unquote rebuild. So Beautiful. All right, Dave Mason asks, if you were MLB commissioner, what would you change? I would change uh, the financial uh, ecosystem. I would I would make Major League Baseball be uh, the the thirty some teams be revenue hundred percent revenue share. All the money goes into a pot, and all the teams split it. And uh, I think if you can do that, and you did that, I think you would have probably. Uh, a little bit more parity, even though I think baseball has an enormous amount of parity already. Um, that would be the one thing. Um, I think if you asked me that question a month ago, I would have said I would have reverted all the new rule changes, but apparently I'm wrong on that one because those are all seemingly having positive impacts for for most fans. I don't know that, and I'll ask you this, Bill. Is there any circumstance under which you see a fan saying, I didn't like baseball last year, but I'm going to watch it this year because I'm not, I don't see it. No, I, I don't see it, but I do think you're going to get good PR in the sports world if these changes actually have, if yeah. runs are up, if stolen bases are up, if game times are down to two and a half. That is all Agreed. a good message to give to fans, and you might solidify more of your fan base once they buy yeah. into the change. Yeah, I mean, to to be clear, uh, the TV money is borderline insane, and it always will be because because from an entertainment perspective, live sporting events are the last bastion of advertising. Uh, if you control live sporting events, you control the only entertainment people can't pick when and where they want to be entertained with, and I think that is a powerful and very lucrative thing. Um, and I think that doing that, although I got to tell you. You know, I believe you're going to see a concessions hit because uh, think about it. I mean, how many millions of fans uh, go to a game a year? You take 30 minutes a game times the thousands of games and you eliminate that in concession sales. There's going to be a, a significant change, although I guess you're hoping to counteract that with advertising, right? I mean, you're hoping that advertising starts to come back in in a, in a, a big, meaningful way, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I I, I, you know, I've always liked the two to one, two hour and 15 minute games. Uh, I don't mind the 11, 10 <clears throat> games uh, when they occur every now and then. The problem is I played in Boston and I don't remember a Boston, New York 
Yankee game that was under four hours, even if it was nine innings and even if it was two to one. Um, and that, that was, that's where I think the clock will, will help. Absolutely. So Absolutely. there you go. Um, all right. Uh, good episode. We're, we're, uh, we're back, uh, next, uh, we're back Friday. We're back we're Friday. Back Friday. We're back Friday on, you can follow us at outkick.com. Uh, you go to shows and usually there's a link right at the top of the page for the Kurt Schilling baseball show. Uh, outkick.com. Uh, Bill, you have a wonderful week. We're going to pay attention to the WBC will be get, heading towards its climax as we get to the end of the week. And, uh, you know, will Team USA qualify? Because I'm, I'm wondering if that's not going to be a, a catastrophic turn of events if they don't that do that. will be so, a story yeah. if they don't qualify. Yeah. All so, right, buddy. Have a good one. You too, man. Take care.